0: I love that last verse of the song. It's one of my favorite verses in a hymn, written, Could we with ink the ocean fill And were the skies of parchment made Were every stalk on earth a quill And every man a scribe by trade To write the love of God above Would drain the ocean dry Nor could the scroll contain the whole Though stretched... From sky to sky. This, this incredible imagery of, of the love of God. Um, it's amazing. Um, uh, we're continuing our, our look at Philippians. Um, so turn there with me. Philippians chapter 1. Hardships and trials can take the wind out of our sails. They can suck the life out of you and leave you feeling hopeless. Um, What are we to do and think in times of difficulty? I I remember thinking through these questions and going through the the situation with my friend who uh, had his horrible accident. I remember thinking, what good could possibly come from this? Um, It's a hard question. Uh, at, At one point or another, we will face trials in our life. I'm thankful for Scripture because Scripture doesn't sugarcoat life. It does not say that everything is going to be okay and, and easy. It, in fact, Scripture makes it clear that there will be hardships and there will be trials that, that we face in life. Um, scripture tells us the truth. Uh, but God doesn't just tell us that we will face difficulty in life and then just leave us hanging. Uh, he, he teaches us and gives us examples of how to respond in a, in a gospel-oriented way when it comes to the various trials that we face in life. Um, so re- remember the place that Paul is writing this letter to the Philippians. Paul finds himself in a difficult situation. He's, he's in uh, the middle of a, a trying time of his life. He's in prison with the possibility of, of death, uh, being very close on the horizon, and he, so he's unable to, to meet physically with the Philippian church, and so he writes this letter. Um, in the beginning of this letter, he directs their attention to the Lord as he shares his thankfulness for the Philippian church. And he also tells them that he's praying for them and why he's praying for them, the purpose of his prayer. But Paul's also aware that the Philippians are concerned for him being in prison and rightly so they care about paul they want the best for him Uh, they don't want him to suffer they love paul um paul knows this and speaks a word of encouragement to the philippians that also again directs their attention not to him But to the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, in this passage, we will see how an eternal mindset leads to gospel advancement, and that gospel advancement brings at least five effects to life. So, let's read Philippians, starting in verse 1, or starting chapter 1, verse 9, and read through 9 to 14. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through, the, through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Uh, Lord, as we uh, look at your word this morning, uh, I ask again that you would um, soften our hearts, that uh, you would open our eyes and ears to your truth, that uh, we would, by your grace, repent of sin and um, turn to you. Amen. Okay, so uh, there are two different mindsets that are possible for mankind. Uh, you can have an earthly mindset or an eternal mindset. They're, they're opposite and posing to each other. The earthly mind is filled with temporal desires of the flesh. Uh, To live with an earthly mind is to live in step with the flesh. The earthly mind pursues after uh, and thinks about things that are the earthly pleasures of life. Uh, And and 1 Corinthians 2.14 says this, that the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, He is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So, an earthly mind uh, is what is natural. And this kind of person does not accept the things of God and even views heavenly things as as foolishness and and folly. The earthly mind is captured by things that uh, moth and rust can destroy, uh, trinkets that thieves can break in and steal. The natural and earthly mind only sees value in things that offer immediate and earthly satisfaction. But there's no eternal value there. Having this earthly mind leads to worry. It leads to anxiety. Um, Jesus says in Matthew 6, uh, starting in verse 19, it says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The things of the earth will turn to dust. Uh, they will get old and rusty, eaten by moths and, and worms. Uh, we can't take these things into into eternity. There's not eternal value there. On the other hand, uh, the eternal mind is set first and foremost on the kingdom of God. Matthew six thirty two, For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So, to live with an eternal mind is to seek first the the kingdom of God. And this is to live in step with the Spirit. The the eternal mind pursues after and thinks about and meditates upon heavenly things. Uh, It sets our mind on things that are above, not on things that, are of the earth. The, the eternal mind is captured by Christ, and, and those who have repented and believed in Jesus have the mind of Christ. And there is, there is total and complete value, eternal value, in Christ. It will never pass away. Uh, and a, a right relationship with the Lord can't be taken away, it, it's eternal. Um, as we grow in, in love for God, And in the knowledge of God, we will more and more be conformed to Christ and away from the pattern of the world. And Paul is setting up this truth, and we'll talk more about the mind in the future as he continues in Philippians. Chapter 2, he says, Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. And so this mind is the mind of Christ. So the person who has their mind set upon uh, eternal things, uh, upon Christ, will seek to advance the message of Jesus Christ. The good news of the kingdom of God, that Christ came to seek and save the lost, that Jesus Christ died in the place of of sinners and uh, in order that those who repent and believe can have eternal life, Um, our our minds impact the way we live our life and how we view what what happens in life. Look again at at verse 12. Here's what Paul says. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Although Paul's in prison, his mind is set upon the kingdom of God. And he encourages the church who's worried about him by showing them that God is using the difficulties that he's facing to advance the gospel, to advance the good news of Jesus. Um, so there's something important to, to note here. Um, mankind is made to advance a message. We are people that were created to advance and spread. And this goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Uh, do you remember what was the first recorded command in Scripture given to Adam and Eve? Uh, sometimes we can think that the first command recorded is the, is the do not command. Um, you know, do not eat from, from the tree. Uh, but that that's not the first command given in Scripture, um, given to mankind. The first command is found in, in Genesis one twenty eight. It says, And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and, and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and, every, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So God blesses mankind and commands them with things to do before he tells them the one thing not to do. Um, The first command here is to advance. They are to have children, uh, which is to multiply, uh, and they are to to fill the earth. Uh, They are to advance throughout the the whole earth. It's in the very nature of, of mankind to advance. And the problem with humanity now is that in our sin, we seek to advance in ways that goes against the commands of God. Rather than being obedient to God and advancing in the way he has called mankind to advance, um, mankind advances in rebellion against God. Uh, mankind desires to advance in sin rather than in holiness. Um, this is why there's so many other messages being proclaimed in advancing throughout the world. Um, It is the advance of the disobedience of God. Um, And this advancement of the disobedience of God, it it only brings about destruction, uh, despair, uh, pain, uh, worry, and and ultimately, it it brings about judgment um, from God. Uh, But an eternal mind is about the advancement of the gospel message. Um, and so what what does this advancement of the gospel message uh, bring? First, uh, the advancement of the gospel brings purpose to life's circumstances. It brings purpose to life's circumstances. Uh, Paul mentions that what has happened to him has really served to advance the gospel. Paul's in prison not a fun and happy situation that he's in. Being a prisoner is rough and and painful, but Paul has his mind set upon heavenly and eternal things, which allows him to view the circumstance he faces with the kingdom of God in view. So every circumstance is an opportunity to serve and advance the gospel. If Paul were to be captivated with Earthly pursuits, um, earthly desires, then there'd, there'd be kind of a lot to worry about. Uh, you know, how are the guards going to treat me? Are they going to feed me? Uh, am I going to be beaten? Um, am I going to be put to death? Uh, we see in a few verses that he's considering his potential death, but, but he's not worried about death. He, he, he's actually looking forward to being with Christ. Um, these things that he could be worried and anxious about fall to the preeminence of the proclamation of the gospel. When we live for the proclamation of the gospel, it helps us to see purpose in whatever situations we face in life, whether, whether they're good or bad. Um, all of what we face in life can serve the purpose of the advancement of the gospel, even our suffering. And this is, it's hard to live out at a practical level. Um, when, when things are going well in life, it's easy to thank God and, and to see how God is using the good things in life to advance the gospel. Um, and I, I thank God that he's able to, to bring about the advance of the gospel through the good things in life that, that happen. Um, but God's even bigger than that. Um, God is able to bring about the advance of the gospel even through the bad that happens in life, even through the suffering and the pain. Um, the Lord is able to work out His, his purposes through suffering as well. Um, a, great, a great example of this is the story of Joseph uh, in, in Genesis. Joseph, uh, his brothers sold him off into slavery, um, and then faked his death to their dad so. His dead. thought that he was dead. Um, then the, the, the place where he ends up being a slave, he, he's wrongfully accused of uh, immorality. Um, and so then he's thrown into prison where he helps some, some prisoners out, but then he's forgotten about. And eventually Joseph is remembered and comes to prominence in, in Egypt. And all of this takes years. Uh, Joseph went through years of of suffering in his life, uh, but the Lord had a plan all along with how he was going to be using that, that suffering that he faced. Because of where Joseph is in Egypt, and because of how God orchestrated his life, Joseph is able to help his family uh, who had sold him into slavery, and he says to them in Genesis fifty twenty, As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. God God is so good. Uh that that he, he's able to work out good in the midst of evil and suffering that, that we face. And hear this truth and be encouraged by the almighty power of God? That the goodness of God is far more powerful than the evil and suffering that we face in the world? Romans 8.28 puts it this way. It says, And we know that for, our, for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. This is, this is not a, a trite verse that is just nice to remember when we're suffering and, uh, and pain in our life. This, this verse speaks to the truth that God is far more powerful and is in complete control and, able, and is able to bring about good in, in every situation. Um, Joseph, Joseph was blessed that he was able to see the good that God was working out in his life. All the suffering that he faced in his life, being sold into slavery, falsely accused, forgotten. He was able to, at, at the end of his life, to see what the Lord was doing. And that was, that was a blessing for Joseph. Here's the thing, though. We are not guaranteed that we will see the good of what God is doing in our life. For 400 years, Israel was enslaved in Egypt. That's a lot of people that lived their lives as slaves, uh, and did not see in their lifetime what God was doing. They didn't see it. Um, we're not guaranteed to see or understand in this life the, the suffering that we face, but our hope is our hope's not in that anyway. Our, our hope is in the Lord, and we can trust him that he is in fact working all things out for our good and his glory. And this helps us Um, as as we go through the different circumstances of our life, it it helps us to see them as an opportunity to serve the advance of the gospel message. Secondly, the, the advancement of the gospel brings encouragement to fellow Christians. Notice how Paul encourages the Philippians. So, Paul does not encourage them with the possibility of uh, his health or well-being. Instead, he encourages them first with the fact that the gospel is being proclaimed even in prison. So Paul makes it clear that he is using this opportunity to preach the gospel. And he says, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest of uh, to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ the guards that are monitoring paul have have heard the gospel now uh, the interactions that he's having with other prisoners or whoever else fits into that definition of of all the rest of them uh, they are all hearing the gospel and and this is what The church should see as the first and foremost encouragement. Again, it's not about Paul's health and and well-being. It's about the proclamation of the good news of of Jesus Christ, the proclamation of of the gospel. And in spite of his situation, which is a hard and difficult situation, the gospel continues to be proclaimed. Uh, People who have been saved are encouraged to hear about the proclamation of the gospel. Uh, This is the encouragement. Uh, Paul's hope is not in whether he'll be free or in prison, uh, dead or alive. His hope is in the gospel. Um, And and real and lasting encouragement comes through the gospel. this is, this is encouraging because we know the power of, of the gospel. Uh, the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Those who have experienced the grace and mercy and forgiveness of God in the gospel are excited to hear about the message that has changed their life is also being shared with the world around them. Uh, third, the advancement of the gospel brings confidence to others. Um, so, Paul then goes on to say, and most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment. Okay. So, who are these other brothers that he's talking about here? Uh, there, so there are other Christian men who have been emboldened by Paul's imprisonment and have been encouraged to preach the gospel. So there's something very important here to notice about the confidence that they've gained. Uh, so who, who does Paul say their confidence is in? Their confidence is in the Lord. Uh, don't, don't miss that point. Uh, oftentimes when we talk about confidence, we're, we're talking about confidence in ourselves. Uh, this is what the world teaches. The world teaches us to be confident in ourselves, uh, to be confident in your talents and your abilities, uh, to be confident about who you are and to be proud about it, uh, be bold and uh, confident not caring what what people think of you. Um, That's how the world defines confidence. Um, You know, daring to be yourself. Uh, This type of worldly confidence is not the confidence that has grown in in these Christian men. It's a different kind of confidence. Instead, the confidence that has grown in these men is a confidence in the Lord. It's not a confidence in themselves. And just think about this for a moment. Who is it that is mighty to save? who who works all things out for his glory? Who is it that has the power to overcome the grave? Who is it that can call the dead out of the tomb and and give them life? It's the Lord Jesus. He's the one in whom we are to have confidence, trusting in the Lord, not, not yourself. You and I, we needed Christ. Why would we then turn away from him? We, we needed him to save us. How could we turn away from him and have confidence in ourselves? He's the one who saved us. We, we were dead in our trespasses and sins and, and Jesus made us alive. It is in the Lord who we are to be confident in, not ourselves. There's another question that uh, comes to my mind here and, and that's this. Uh, Why does Paul's imprisonment bring about confidence in the Lord to these other men? So what's going on here? There is something inspiring about seeing someone take a steadfast stand for the Lord in opposition and persecution. And seeing that person react to the persecution in a Christ-like way... um, and continue to give glory to God in the midst of that. It's, it's inspiring. Um, we're told that we will face persecution for our belief in Christ. Christ was crucified on the cross, and, and those who follow Him will also face opposition. First Peter four twelve uh, and the verses following speak of uh, suffering as a Christian. It says. We're not to be surprised about the persecution of the church. And in this suffering, we can rejoice in, in sharing in Christ's suffering. We see the apostles, after, after preaching, teaching about Christ, uh, and they're, they're persecuted and set free. And then it says in, in Acts 5.41, Then they left the presence of the council, Rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. While there is pain and suffering, there can also be rejoicing. And for the Christian, there is an eagerness even to to share in in the sufferings of Christ. Uh, And and when we see others suffering in the name of Christ, it, it it emboldens us. Um, as we see another brother or sister taking a stand for the Lord. Um, if you've been watching what's been happening in, in Canada uh, the last couple months with pastors being imprisoned for, for holding in, in-person church services, um, you may have felt compassion for, for them and, and hurt uh, for those pastors, their families, the, the, the congregations. Um, I would also suspect that, that there may have been some growth in confidence in the Lord as well in watching that. Um, and uh, these brothers that, that Paul speaks of are, are seeing how the Lord is using a hard situation, um, Paul being thrown in prison for his glory. And they grow in confidence in the Lord as they watch another Brother in Christ, suffer on behalf of Christ. Fourth, the advancement of the gospel pushes away fear. It goes on to say, And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So this goes right alongside confidence in the Lord. Um, growth in confidence in the Lord pushes away the fear of man. Uh, these men are, are more, more bold to speak uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ without the fear of what, what, of what man will do to them. Um, seeing Paul in prison is, is a, it's a reminder of who we serve. We do not serve the desires of men. Uh, we're called to be obedient to the Lord in proclaiming the gospel throughout the world to go and make disciples that those who repent and uh, believe would uh, be saved. Uh, The fear of man stifles obedience to God and it stifles growth in holiness. Uh, When the fear of man drives your heart and and life, then you're only living to please people. Part of the problem with that is (laughs) there's a lot of people uh, there are a lot of different thoughts and opinions of, of life. Um, so if someone is driven by the fear of man, they're not going to be able to please everyone anyway. Um, the fear of man is, is a trap. Proverbs twenty nine twenty five says, The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. Uh, living in the fear of man will lead you to be obedient to the whims and wishes of man rather than the commands of Christ. Um, It's a trap. Having confidence in the Lord leads us to not live in the fear of man, but rather to live for the Lord, who we're confident in. And when we're confident in the Lord, we see how small man really is. Can man imprison us? Yes. Can man physically harm us? Yes. But again, who is it that provides eternal life? The Lord can. It is true that we can be subject to unjust wrath and evil judgment of man. But enduring that is much better than to endure the just and righteous judgment of God. Um, and for those who have repented of their sin and believe in Jesus Christ, there, there's no need to fear this, this punishment because Christ has already paid that punishment for us. 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. So these brothers have been emboldened by the imprisonment of of Paul and are now speaking the word without fear of what will happen to them. And fifth, the the advancement of the gospel brings salvation to those who repent and believe. Uh, the, The brothers have grown in confidence in the Lord are now speaking the word without fear. Their boldness and confidence in the Lord leads them to be confident in speaking the word of God. They're not speaking a word that comes from themselves. They're speaking the word of God. The confidence is in the Lord and his word. And the word of God brings life. The good news brings life. Romans 10, 18-17 says this, But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes and is justified. And with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. There is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us. So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. Faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of of Christ. And this is the word that these brothers are emboldened to speak, not a word from themselves, the word of Christ. The word, the good news of the gospel, is the power of salvation to those who believe. For all the church, this is our mandate to proclaim the gospel to the people around us who do not know the Lord. As, as we see every circumstance that we face in life uh, providing us with an opportunity to advance the gospel message. And then we move forward with boldness and, and speak uh, without the fear of man. But rather we speak in active obedience to Jesus, our Lord and Savior. In closing, a few questions to consider in, in light of all of this. Is your mind set upon the kingdom of God? Is your mind set upon the kingdom of God? Do you have an eternal mind? Um, this is a it's a daily battle, as we keep our eyes fixed upon the Lord rather than keeping our eyes fixed upon the world. Um, And and since the Lord will complete the work he has started in you, uh, he will help you to keep your mind on heavenly things. This is part of the sanctifying work of the Lord uh, that he's doing in our hearts and in our minds. Uh, Another question, what do you seek to advance What do you seek to advance? Do you have some agenda or some image of yourself that you are seeking to advance? This passage, it's a reminder to us about what we are made to advance. Your mission is the advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news that Jesus came to seek and save the lost. That there is forgiveness of sins available. That there is eternal life to be had in Christ. Um, I I know that there may be times in life that we fail to have this eternal mind. Um, There may be times where we seek to advance our our own agenda. Um, Aren't you thankful? that Christ has paid the penalty for our past sin, our present sin, and our future sin. Um, And we can have confidence in the Lord that not only is this message to be proclaimed to the world around us, but this, this message is also for you. That there is forgiveness of sin for you because of the complete and finished work of Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we're amazed by you. God, we, um, we confess that our minds have not always been set first upon the kingdom of God, and we have advanced things in our own agenda, um, even in disobedience to you. And God, we thank you that because of your grace, your mercy, your love, that, that Christ died on the cross for our sin and rose again from the grave. And now that we can have the mind of Christ and we can advance the truth of the gospel message throughout the world, I ask that you'd give us a heart of boldness that we would not live in the fear of man, but instead would live uh, in the fear of the Lord, that we would walk in obedience uh, to you. And pray this in your name, amen.